0: Welcome to the Manmukti podcast. I'm Drishti and for this episode we brought back clinical psychologist Dr. Rakhi Sun to talk about how to have a healthy conversation with your parents or family about beginning therapy and why this conversation can be so challenging. Welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Sun. We're so happy to have you back. And today I kind of wanted to talk about beginning therapy and talking to your friends and family about this. So one of the main, arguably probably the biggest struggle is let's say someone decides like, yeah, I think therapy is the right thing for me. Mm -hmm. How do you start talking to your friends and family about that? Like, how do you, how would you navigate that? Especially maybe someone in high school that's still pretty young. How Mm -hmm. would you explain
1: to your parents that you need therapy? Right. But this gets tricky for a variety of reasons. Uh, one is that if you are below 18, then you're a minor. And for the most part, your parents or guardians have the right to access your records. So, so that means two things. One is that you, probably, you will need their consent to engage in therapy because they, you are a minor. And right. you, if you're in high school and you are a minor, then whatever you share in therapy can also be reported back to your parents if they want to know.
0: Okay.
1: Now, while uh, for some people that may not be an issue at all, but for some people that might feel like, well, you know, part of my concern is that I don't, let's say, I, I don't get along with my parents, but then if I talk about it, then they're going to find out about it. And then that's mm-hmm. going to get tricky. So so there are some issues there with age. If you you have to understand the parameters of confidentiality. You know, okay. and therapy by definition is a really a very confidential process. Okay. And I'm gonna, you know, as an adult, if you your parents and nobody outside of you can consent or um, can have access to any information about about the therapy process. But one, if you're not an adult, then your parents do have that right. So it's important to understand what and how much of this information will be kept confidential.
0: Okay, so I guess just but- to summarize. if you're under 18, your parents have the right to access any information that's being discussed with your therapist, even Mm -hmm. I know like with therapy, there's like certain things that therapists have to break confidentiality for. But if you're under 18, even things that don't fall into those categories, the therapist can tell the parents. Yeah, Yeah. I guess like another part to like telling your parents that you want therapy is their Mm -hmm. reaction. And like a lot of parents might not react that way just because you know, our South Asian culture tends to have a bit of a stigma mm-hmm. around mental mm-hmm. health. So mm-hmm. I guess like, what would your advice be to someone navigating that?
1: Yeah, so this is going to be a bit of a long answer. Um, so let's say we're not worried about the age issue, right? Okay. That, that That's that's not, not the thing here. The person is over 18, they decide they want to uh, explore therapy, and they're trying to talk to their family or their parents about it. So, you know, culturally, this can be a hard sell, because Um, I think as a culture, we don't have the narratives around what you and I are calling mental health. Mm -hmm. We're talking about anxiety, depression, or, you know, issues with identity and things like that. We're calling those mental health issues. Culturally, people may not be explaining those issues to themselves in those terms right so for example um somebody might see that as a character issue like well you know what you just need to have better willpower and and be strong so Mm -hmm. it's not a health issue it's a matter of right character you know you just need to be stronger and 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 get over it right Mm -hmm. so then the issue of health doesn't come into it so you you can't really talk about it because you're not speaking quite the same language Along with that, if it's, you know, if they see the problem or the concern is coming from within you, it could be like I said, a character issue or something like, you know, you're just looking for attention, or or if it's more from a religious perspective, you need to have more faith. Or, you know, just chant this, this um mantra, or just, you know, read this text and that'll bring you the the courage and the and the peace that you need. So, so people are explaining it in terms of uh, a religious or a faith-based experience, or they're explaining it to themselves as a character-based issue. Um, sometimes if it's outside of you, maybe they'll say, well, you know, you're just going through a bad time. Maybe we need to look at astrology, for example. Uh, let's see when, when, you know, if you go through this hard time, like maybe, you know, just wait a couple of months and then things will improve. Yeah, wait for the stars to realign. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So a lot of this depends on how you explain or how anybody explains these concerns to themselves. And culturally, we don't tend to explain these concerns to ourselves from a health or a coping strategies or a learning kind of an issue.
0: Yeah. So it's almost like we're looking at it from a lens where it's like unfixable. Like this is just the way it is right now. You either mm-hmm. have to get over it or wait for it to pass. But it's not like something that, you know, you can... You can actually like heal from or
1: like fix, right? Something. Because if you take a health-based perspective, then yeah. you say, okay, health means things are not quite going right, and here's what you know: take this medication or you know exercise better, or you know like here's what you need to do to change it. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at it as a character or a faith or something like astrology-based, then it's sort of yeah, like either get over it or uh, wait for things to pass. So yes, that is sometimes it's almost like we're speaking different languages. Yeah okay right. so, so we need to understand which language we're speaking in order to really communicate with say family and such about it another part here is things like let's say we acknowledge okay you know even within the family there's an acknowledgement okay yeah you know maybe you're depressed maybe there's some anxiety here or or whatever but then we have again from a cultural perspective what is it that we disclose in public and what is it that we want to keep private mm-hmm. so okay. to go to a therapist might feel like Oh my gosh! These are not the kind of things we want to expose in public. That's not okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And maybe on a, on a slightly different level, um, an example might be that in the U.S., it is my understanding that we don't ask things like we don't make comments on appearance, for example.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, that's typically considered not polite. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas, you know, my experience when when I'm around you know Indian South Asian folks, people are pretty. <laughs> I'm pretty free to yeah. come in comments about oh it looks like you know you've lost weight or you've grown you know you're this way or that so yeah th- there's a lot more um acceptance of making appearance-based comments for example mm-hmm. right so similarly what we consider speakable in public can vary by culture
0: right yeah and it's like considered uh-huh what's allowed to be public and what's allowed what's supposed to be private varies. Yeah. And in South Asian culture, like our, our personal matters or family matters are yeah. supposed to be kept private.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're having, say, your relationship issue or you're feeling internally like, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm, it's hard for me to function or, or I'm not doing great in my academics or my job performance is suffering. Well, we don't want to make that public because that that can have a social cost, you know? So, so then going to a therapist is part of making it public according yeah. to that narrative, right? And this is where I want to put in a little plug and say, just so you know, therapy is very confidential. Hmm. You know, yes, you can and do tell a therapist a lot of things, but unless there's an actual safety issue or a specific legal issue that is being addressed, we do not, we do not expose any information about a person with anybody else. Yeah. without without their specific permission mm-hmm. so just want to highlight that however people may not know that people may not even believe it even if we even <laughs> if we do that they may not yeah. fully believe it so just the idea of going to somebody outside of the family circle feels like you're taking it public no matter how confidentially they will hold that information
0: you think there is like a better way to maybe communicate that with parents or family like to to let them know like, oh, therapy is very confidential. Like I'm not, Mm -hmm. it's not that I don't want to talk to you about this. It's just that this might be better. They're a professional. Like, do
1: you have any advice on like how? Yeah. So for example, you know, one of the ways in which I think about it is that let's not, if you move away from the specific issues of mental health, for example, Mm -hmm. at any given time, there may be situations where we reach out to people for help because that's not our, you know expertise like you know right. if my faucet is dripping and I'm not a very handy person like some people will fix their own faucets and yay you know <laughs> but I can't be the one to fix my own faucet I'm just going to make it worse so I will have to call in a plumber even if I don't particularly want to even if it may feel like oh my gosh this is going to be so expensive and I have to stay home I have to take time off from work because who knows when the plumber is going to arrive But I'm going to put up with that because I have to go outside of my expertise and depend on theirs hmm. Right. So similarly, in these cases, when we think if the situation is to the point where this is outside of my my ability to intervene, then maybe it does make sense to go outside. Mm -hmm. And and we do it in many other places. And I think it it can be a stretch to do it in this area simply because we don't believe it, or this is not a thing, or it's a character issue. We have those ways of explaining explaining it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. but but when you come right down to it if i'm not able to get to the bottom of this maybe bringing in somebody else who might be able to do that is a better option
0: yeah okay so it's like just seeking out like a professional's help when you feel like you can't do it just like how you'd seek out a professional to fix your sink if you can't fix it yourself Yeah. yeah um I guess then another point is I've heard a lot of the time, sometimes parents have difficulty letting their child go to therapy because they start to blame themselves for their child's mm-hmm. issue mm-hmm. or like their, the entire family might feel like the family did something wrong. So how mm-hmm. would you, yeah, I guess, how would you address that one?
1: Yeah, and that's, that's definitely, you know, a, a very culturally based assumption where, the, you know, where we think that, it's a question of responsibility. I think parents in our culture are really held responsible for what happens for our children and to our children, right? Mm-hmm. So when our child gets that medal for piano performance, the proudest person may not be the child, but the parent. Mm. You yeah, know, because the parent feels like Finally, I did it, you know, I, I did something right, I was able to get this child to where he or she needed to be. And, and now look, the the child, you know, has done so well in piano, and now I can feel really good about that, right. So, but the flip side of it is if the child isn't doing so well, then somewhere a parent might say, Oh, my gosh, this means I am the one that's failing, or I haven't done enough. Right. And for some people, that can either means that, okay, what do I need to do? Like that could be the response <laughs> or it could be, well, that means I'm failing and I don't want to face that. I don't want to have to deal with this idea that, you know, that this reflects badly on me. So I'm going to really either not bring it up in public or not share it, or maybe just, you know, tell the child or tell the person like, okay, come on, you know, buck up. You have to do better because I'm, I as the parent might not feel comfortable with the idea that, I didn't do, do my share or, or i not being effective. So I think to that, I would just say, ultimately, again, you know, we all have our limits and our limitations. And for example, you know, my mother was clearly like, if you need to study physics, don't come to me, you know, like, <laughs> I can't yeah. explain physics, right? And, and that my father was an engineer, so that was his job. Mm-hmm. Or or even though my father was an engineer, he wasn't a particularly good teacher. So he understood physics, but necessarily wasn't the best at explaining it to me. Yeah. Right? Okay. So I think we have to also acknowledge that, yeah, being parents doesn't mean that uh, you have to be the one to personally do everything. Hmm. Right? Yeah. So if there's a problem. Part of what you can do as a parent is to find the best response versus yeah. assume that everything should be able to come from you personally
0: yeah it's like you don't you don't have to be the one solving the problem yeah you can you can allow someone else to
1: help your child solve. you can facilitate that instead of feeling like i have to know from again from that school perspective you know i have to know everything from geography to math to civics to german and everything to say okay you know what i'm much better at helping you with with chemistry but if you need help with history then maybe you need to
0: yeah
1: you know let's get you to to a tutor or let's get you somewhere else So another thing to consider could be, you know, ultimately, what is the kind of relationship I have with my parents, if I'm going to bring this question up, right, this could be a communication issue, it could be what is the tone of our relationship. So for example, if my parents are friendly and open, and even if they disagree with me, they're actually, you know, maybe I I trust that they're gonna still sit and listen, you know, and, and, and go ahead and say, okay, you know, I still think you need to work harder. But if you insist, you know,
0: yeah,
1: at least kind of give an open hearing to the concern that the child may express. And I say child, I don't mean a literal child. I mean, mm. not the non-parent. <laughs> yeah. um, or, you know, there is a much more hierarchical r- relationship, which is more distant in that sense. And the parental role is one that is more about, you know, commanding than understanding Then, then I think it can be harder to communicate that need, right? Because Because your parent is kind of telling you what you need, so it's hard. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's also something to keep in mind. Okay. And and in those kinds of situations, you know, sometimes um, and this depends on who else you have in your life but sometimes if as a child you know I don't really have the standing to talk to my parents more directly maybe I go to somebody else in the family who they may be able to listen to maybe I go to an aunt and say hey you know my aunt is kind of somebody who listens to me and my aunt can maybe talk to my dad and then my parents are more likely to listen to my aunt versus listen to me because I'm lower in that power differential Mm,
0: Okay. So, like, figuring out who in your family will be the most receptive and maybe
1: trying yeah. to make that yeah. out Okay, yeah. I think the important part here is generally to understand where we are with each other, right? Mm-hmm. Because our response depends on being able to communicate effectively, which in turn depends on what are people willing or able to say and what are people willing and able to hear. Right. Right? I mean, it's easy to get locked into an antagonistic, I disagree or, you know, You're not making sense or there's no such thing as, you know, mental health. And you can say these things, but that doesn't get you anywhere. But if you say, okay, I know that you don't believe in mental health, but can you at least understand that I'm going through something that I feel I'm not able to handle on my own? And I would really like to see if I can get the kind of help that will help me get to what I need, even if you don't believe in it. I understand. I'm not, you know, this is where I'm at. Yeah. So, if there's a way to acknowledge maybe even our differences, mm-hmm. and then from that place communicate and say, you know, maybe we may have different perspectives but this is the part that I'm trying to explain. And sometimes if you can find the understandable part in each other's argument, like, okay, you know, it's fine. You know, I'll go to the astrologer and that's fine. And maybe, you know, this will be Mm -hmm. gone in two months. But in those two months, I think, what if I have some help? Because that might be really helpful in getting through those two months. It's,
0: It's almost like sort of not meeting in the middle but just making sure that the other person
1: knows that you're hearing them out you see their point but yeah you also want to express your need right okay i will say again that the the it can feel unfair that the person who may be dealing with the problem is also having to do this extra work
0: yeah of understanding struggling and they have to be the one. yeah and, and I
1: fully recognize that can feel unfair, that can feel like an added burden, it can feel like too much, again, so maybe they need an ally, maybe that ally is a friend, or another family member, somebody who can maybe, you know, stand up for them or, or with them.
0: That's actually such good advice. I feel like sometimes when you're in those like really difficult mental states, it's hard to even think that like, oh, there are people out there that I can use as support that I might not think about. So I feel mm-hmm. like just keeping that in mind itself can be
1: really useful. Right. Another thing that I feel is worth mentioning is that before psychology was a profession, you know, people have always reached out to people for help, right? For any yeah. other reasons, people have always been helping each other. Yeah. The professional aspect of psychology is a relatively recent and it's a Western, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. So, so when we, I think when people from that private uh, public kind of divide, Aspect um, people may think that going to a professional is very public, but people have always reached out to people for help. But usually, it's within a private domain. So maybe you reach out to a family member or to a trusted friend or to somebody you know who is recommended by somebody you trust yeah. on the inside, right? So even understanding that that you know we we always reach out. To Yeah. So and especially if if it's a family, let's say that's in the US and, you know, maybe there are other family members here, maybe they're not. But we can also recognize that sometimes the people you have available, if you were in India, for example, or, you know, wherever your family's from, maybe you would have a wider network to choose from.
0: Yeah.
1: And you might be able to say, hey, you know, like, let's talk to, you know, my cousin's neighbor (laughs) who is a doctor and, you know, we can have this conversation with him. But, but we don't have that network here.
0: Yeah, that makes sense actually. Yeah, it's so who
1: like, can we realistically reach out to?
0: Yeah, it's like when you're in India, you have like a huge family network, and you can pretty much someone's cousins will be a doctor, a lawyer, anything. But here, it's it's harder to find that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I guess I feel like we should summarize this part, <laughs> like the main points from this part because it's pretty long. Um, so I guess the points were communicate. In terms of a health issue rather than a character issue like something that's fixable that you just need a little bit support on so making sure that you're communicating in the same way because mm-hmm. a lot of the times we can start thinking of mental illnesses as more as flaws with the person and just mm-hmm. rooted issues that can't be fixed so mm-hmm. thinking of it with the health lens um, and then going seeking support from other family members or other friends that would be more receptive to what you need if you feel like your parents or close family will not be too receptive. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, and communicating from a place of understanding versus from a place of opposition.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Like immediately, yeah. yeah, I was like meeting in the middle and making sure mm-hmm. that the mm-hmm. other person feels heard. If if you feel like you can do that, like, I, mm-hmm. we also talked about how that can be very difficult.
1: Right usually if we are able to hear another person there is a likelihood that the other person is going to be able to hear us again it's not a 100% guarantee but the likelihood does go up and it, it can be an added burden or responsibility on the person that's already yeah. um, you know under pressure to have to do this added step so i, I won't acknowledge that
0: Thank you so much for tuning in today. We actually have another episode coming out soon with Dr. Sun on how to know if therapy is right for you and how to know if your therapist is right for you. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and rate, review, and share the episode. You can also visit our website, manmukti.org. And if there's any topic or guest speaker you'd like to hear, send us a DM on our Instagram or comment on our social media posts. Once again, thank you so much for listening. We hope this podcast helped you in some way, shape, or form.